So I did a test email. I think I, I rarely get so many replies as through this test email that actually people say, I like you even more. I, uh, this this uh, shows me I'm in the right spot because... Welcome to the Creators Adventure, where we interview creators from around the world hearing their stories about growing a business. I've heard people say that cohorts and launches, all of that is dead. Well, today's guest is going to prove that wrong. Hey everyone, I'm Brian McAnulty, the founder of Heights Platform. Let's get into it. Hey everyone, we're here today with Sigrun. She is an acclaimed business coach, a best-selling author and host of the Sigrun Show podcast. Known as a leading business mentor in Europe, she's dedicated to advancing gender equality through female entrepreneurship and guiding women to launch and grow their online businesses to seven figures. Based between Iceland and Switzerland, she's passionate about helping others kickstart their online businesses and her latest book, Kickstart Your Online Business, Create an Online Course and Start to Make Sales, is now available on Amazon. Sigrun, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure, Brian. Yeah, sure. You're welcome. So my first question for you is, what would you say is the biggest thing either that you did or you are doing that has helped you to achieve the freedom to do what you enjoy? It was creating a scalable course. Uh, I was doing okay, uh, but working a lot of hours. Uh, I started doing one-on-one like most business coaches or business mentors, or even just people who take their knowledge and want to sell it. Uh, and uh, I was doing one-on-one, then I did group programs and I was in my fourth year of online business. And uh, I joined a mastermind like many of us do. And you want to learn how you can grow faster. And I come into the first mastermind call, very proud that I've sold out all my group programs for the year. And instead of getting praise from my business coach, which of course I was hoping for, uh, he just asked me back and you've got nothing else to sell for the rest of the year. And that hit me, you know, I knew I should be creating a course, uh, but always I felt I had to, ah, another group program, more one-on-one clients, you know, I got to get better at this or whatever. And I was just holding myself back. There was nothing else. And out of that, I quickly decided to uh, bring out the program. I had not created anything, just wrote down a sales page. It wasn't even uh, one page long. It was so short. It's probably the shortest sales page I've ever created in my life. And I hosted the webinar within a week of that comment and sold 50 spots for my first online course, which was $1,000. Wow, awesome. Yeah. And from there on, I was able to triple my revenue that year because I had an online course, which I could sell again and again and again without it costing more, me more time. So creating an online course and be able to actually sell it through launches was my biggest breakthrough and still is today. Awesome. That's great to hear. Yeah, I think myself, I started as a service-based business as well doing uh, originally like graphic and print design and web design. And I think that's a really good way to start business. And it, it gives you something you can begin to offer right away. There's nothing you have to build. You don't even really need a website. But I think that when you do that, everyone comes to a point of realization that like, oh, wait a second, I'm using up all my time. How am I going to grow this? Because there's either I can raise my prices 
or I have to, maybe I can hire people. And, but it, it gets to a point where you realize like, oh, this is like, based on what I've currently built, there is a limit of what I can earn and what I can impact. And so creating courses and digital products is a way that you can now leverage that and it's no longer tied to your time. And for me, it was an incredible moment. The, the first dollar I made from something that was a digital product where yeah. being able to wake up in the morning and say, wow, some, somebody bought this from me versus like, even, even though like, maybe like, I remember the time when it happened, like a week before I'd landed like a five figure web design contract and the, the dollar or so that I made like in profit from the uh, digital product felt better than that did. So yeah. um, really a powerful thing. Yeah. And then the next so, step after creating a course is really mm -hmm. also how to be able to scale up the launches, like, because, you know, my first, very first launch after this first test round, this webinar where I sold 50 spots, the next one was, how can I sell, you know, 100 spots? How can I sell 150 spots, 200 spots? And also increasing the price. So instead of my program being $1,000, now it's $3,000. So when I go into a launch, uh, I'm aiming for 500 or 750 sales. So we're talking about millions of dollars uh, with one campaign. And that's, that's literally life changing. Uh, you know, uh, suddenly you can go ahead and buy a new apartment after a launch. And uh, in the beginning, you know, as you said, it was just time, selling my time, selling my time. And I didn't see how I could scale. Yeah. Yeah. So when you started out, you mentioned like you were doing the group coaching. What was originally when you started your business? Like what was the thought? What was the, the kind of person you wanted to serve? And like, how has that changed? Or has it changed at all today? Or did it just shift in like leveraging that through the online courses? The person is similar. In the beginning, I was uh, very focused on helping whoever wanted to sell something online and helping them. I had been a CEO for 10 years before I started this business, so I had uh, substantial business experience. Uh, I was new in the online business space, so I had to learn a thing or two myself, but I was helping people who wanted to create a program and sell it. Not necessarily courses, that was not the beginning. So they could be selling anything, a book or one-on-one, uh, -on -one, and I took on anyone, <laughs> as we do in the beginning. And then I realized at some point that I wanted to work with people who are actually more ambitious. They actually want to scale up. And so today my messaging is different. I don't want to help people that want to sell one-on-one -on -one programs. Like I don't want to help you sell more of your time. I want to help you if you actually want to scale up. And the first mm -hmm. step is to create a course. And so for me, that's always the first step, create a scalable course. And then, uh, and then you need to learn how to sell it. And there is really just not so many ways to sell a course. Uh, yeah, you can launch it, which I find is most effective and almost fun. It's my favorite thing to do. Uh, you can have a funnel. You're not going to sell as much. Conversion rates are lower and it takes longer time. And then of course you can constantly post on social media and hope that people DM you and you can sell it that way, kind of organically, manually. Launches are most effective, but uh, yeah, a lot of people are scared of them, uh, but there's nothing to be scared about once you've learned the principles of launching and how the psychology of, uh, of how people get excited about something and, and how you deliver 
value to them before they need to make up their mind whether they want to work with you or not. Yeah, yeah, I like that. So we saw on your website, actually, you mentioned that only 2% of female-led businesses achieve a seven-figure annual revenue. What do you think are the most common challenges that women in business face and how would you guide them to kind of overcome those obstacles? That the reason I decided to work with women, uh, and actually I do work with men too, but I, my messaging is more targeted towards women. You know, that's my mission to accelerate gender equality uh, is because they, they uh, first of all, often start a business out of a need for freedom. And a man will start a business more kind of like, hey, I want to make money. Uh, so the problem with the freedom angle is that often they keep themselves down. They charge low prices. Uh, they don't think of enough scaling to six figures or even seven figures. It's like far away. It's really just, I want to make a little extra money. So it's more like a side hustle thing. And I really would like to shake women up and say, hey, that's not how you achieve financial independence. Uh, that's not how you can stand alone on your feet or even take care of your family. And, uh, and that, the, that a bigger business is not more work. That's a common belief that, uh, that uh, let's say a six-figure business or multiple six-figure businesses somehow more work. And I'm like, no, it's less. It's less work because in the beginning you have to do everything on your own. But once you have the funds to hire people, you actually start to kind of focus on doing the things you enjoy doing, being in your zone of genius, and everything feels lighter. So even though you're working the same amount of hours, these are fun hours. These are the things that you actually enjoy doing versus doing the things that you're not good at and, uh, and don't enjoy doing. And the self-confidence is a big thing. Uh, you know, uh, I have this program uh, kickstart where I take women through creating a course and, and selling it. Uh, and then I'm very glad, you know, I'm, I'm very happy when they get a lot of signups for the course and I'm super excited that they get, you know, start to make money. But the one thing that I am actually looking for, and that's not what I put in my marketing message, but me personally, I want them to start to believe that they can do it. And that's anyone who starts to believe in themselves. I think then nothing can stop them. You know, when you believe that you can do something, uh, even if it seems like a huge task, I don't know, to stand on stage or, uh, you know, do a big launch or invest into Facebook ads or something that felt so scary. When you start to believe in yourself, uh, anything's possible. And that's what I'm looking for. And uh, unfortunately, something happens. I don't know. I'm not a psychologist, but a lot of women do not believe in themselves. And uh, so if there's anything I can contribute, I want more women to believe in themselves. And then, of course, I want them to make a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think around the, the idea of money and how some people have this mindset of thinking like, oh, well, I don't I don't really need more than than whatever. Um, they just settle with something and say like, oh, it's a side hustle, something like this. I think that's something a lot of people struggle with and myself as well. Like I feel there's been points where like maybe I, I didn't like or care about money enough that, that I should have. And I think a way to look at it, like there's nothing wrong with having money or making money. And if anything, even if you think you don't, don't need it necessarily, it's not about like need it or, or something like that. But when you have more money, when you're earning more money in your business, now all of this opportunity is opened up to you. 
that you can do these things that you're going to make a positive impact with. So if, if you believe that your business, that you're teaching something, that you're providing something that is going to make a positive impact on people's lives, then if you would want to grow that to be able to impact more people. And when you have more money, now you have all these options that like, oh, well, what if we could do this kind of thing that would make a, make a big live event or, or do something like this? And now all of a sudden these opportunities are available to you because you have the money to spend on that, to hire people, like you said, and, and all of this. So yeah, I think it's, it's a good way to look at it like that. You don't have to need it for yourself to go and buy fancy cars or whatever, but you can have it for your business to be able to invest and continue to further impact people. I do this exercise with my clients, depending on where they are in business, I'll pick, what would you do with a million? What would you do with 10 million? What would you do with hundred million? And so I make the number extra big, but not like crazy high. Uh, and then, then they just make some decisions like, oh, they would invest in this and that, but also what kind of impact, one legacy, like uh, what they leave behind. And then it starts to kind of shift. Oh, actually I, I need this million now because I have all these projects that I would like to invest in. What if I can invest in female-led companies? You know, we need more investors that invest in uh, female startups. What if I, like you said, a life event, that was one of my dreams too. Because you know, life event that costs 100,000 or a multiple six figures to do a proper life event. And then you don't have to worry about if the event has a return on investment or not. You're just like, hey, I can host a live event. I can invite all my clients. And that's what I'm doing in a, a couple of weeks from now. Uh, I'm inviting all my clients from the last three years. We're finally coming together after big break. And they get a free ticket if they've been working with me. And you know, being able to do that, that also separates you from the rest, from the competition or the perceived <laughs> competition is that you can do things like that. So I think money needs purpose. And if you don't know what it is, do an exercise. You know, what if you actually had this cash right now? How would you spend it? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a great way to do it, a great exercise. Yeah. We saw in your bio, you also mentioned the uh, tough love, no nonsense approach to business coaching. So do you have any examples or can you explain more of what you mean by that, of where you've kind of applied that approach? Yeah, I really believe in tough love and it sounds a little bit scary because people do not really like it. Like no one is going to ask, oh, can you give me some tough love? Uh, but once people are in my world and understand how I operate and that it actually comes from love, like because I want them to be successful, I'm not going to sugarcoat my advice. And I will say it very directly. Uh, I had a client uh, last year who had been me for several years and I knew her very well. Uh, and she is a veterinarian and she wanted to have a dog training membership and she had been doing it for a while. But I knew her so, after so many years, I knew her quite well. And I said, I don't think you actually like doing what you're doing, because if you did, you would be more successful. And I, I can understand that could hurt. And I know it, it did hurt her that comment, but two weeks later, she came back to me and said, Sigrun, you're right. I do not like this business at all. But the thing is, I studied it and therefore I thought I had to do it. And I didn't give myself permission to do something else. She took this chance, which I kind of said, hey, you, you, 
I'll give you permission to do something new, something different. And you don't need to be educated in it. Just go ahead and do it. So last January, she went through my program one more time, just at like a total beginner in online business. And she created a course for women who want to write a book. And she got hundreds of people signing up with no website, no profile, no prior content. She got, I think, 120, 130 women to sign up for a free course. It was a free course. After that, she sold, I don't know, 10 spots to another course. And she's been repeating this process. Now there's nothing for free anymore. And uh, just last week, she had a launch with making uh, $10,000. And that's uh, good. Imagine if I wouldn't dare to be so direct and I would mm. just continue helping her. Oh yeah, you want your job training membership. And you know, that's to me BS. Like then you are not helping your client. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, it's important to do that sometime. I think it's, it can be frightening for a coach, especially a new coach to, to say those things, even if you're thinking them. But I, I do think it's important because yeah, how would, how would your customer or your client actually get to that spot or, or have that realization if you didn't share that hard thing with them? Yeah. And you might have the odd person, like I have had thousands of clients in the last 10 years. And I remember one incident where a person said, I do not appreciate this, Sigrun. And I said, okay, I'll back off. But then you're not getting my truth. Yeah. So yes. don't be worried about it. Go ahead. Uh, you know, there is the right client for every coach as well. And uh, if this is upfront, that's why I use it in my marketing message. Yeah. You know, so they are a little bit scared of me, but not too much. <laughs> yeah. And, and they, they have some expectation that they know what to expect. Yeah. So in your book, Kickstart Your Online Business, you talk about creating online courses as a way to make sales. Can you share some insights into what you see as what makes an online course successful? Yeah, I think uh, what I saw in my first years of business, there were so many people that sit down and create a course. And then they came to me afterwards and said, Sigrun, how do I sell this course? And I was like, that's not the right way to approach it. And out of this frustration of people actually starting on the wrong end, I decided to develop a, a new process. So a successful course needs to go through beta testing. It's just like you create a minimal viable product. If you are creating a new software or anything else, car, uh, you want to create the minimum viable product. You want to get it tested. You want to get feedback. And so because all the things that we think we know as experts, many of them are not true when it goes out in the real world. So I let my students first do a survey. Uh, and it's a good indication of how many survey responses you get on how much excitement there is around the topic of your potential course. Then interviews, I say minimum three interviews because there's only so much information you can get in a survey. And I know this is not rocket science, but most people don't do this. So survey and interviews is kind of the basic start when you're creating a new thing, whatever that thing is. Then 
instead of going ahead and actually creating a course, let's say you get great survey responses, great interviews, and you're like, I know this is going to be a hit. I still recommend that you have the first round for free and you create a free four week course. Maybe your idea is to have a 10 week course later on. That's fine. Just create a smaller version and it's four weeks is the minimum course for me. Anything shorter is not a course. That's like a challenge or a video series. And because the issue is after knowing what you want to create is how do you get enough people into your world? Like a lot of people have an issue building their email list. And I said, this is a fantastic way. This is not a regular freebie. This is a once in a, well, maybe not a lifetime, but it's a special chance. Like you should not have to do a beta course every year. Maybe you do one beta course and then, you know, that could be your signature course for the rest of your business. Uh, so it's like a once, one chance of your followers to do this experience and do it for free. And then you get feedback every week and then you can adapt the course to their needs. At the end, they give you a testimonial and we teach people how to do that. And then you have an opportunity to sell to the people. We do a celebration call after the four weeks. And that's where I teach people how to actually, how do you sell to a warm audience that's gotten a great value from it because people will be asking. And that's what typically happens in these programs. People are asking already, what can I buy from you before even the course ends? And this creates a sellable course. You have testimonials. You have like real people who have gone through your program. And I ask people at the end, do an assessment. Is there anything you need to change about your course or is it ready to go? Uh, do you want to make it longer? Uh, or is four weeks just fine? And I have clients that are now making millions a year in revenue that created their first course maybe three, four, five years ago and they still have the same four-week course. Some of them have made it into eight-week course, but to me, this was like the best way to do it because I saw the other way didn't work. Don't create a course without testing it with real people. Uh, and I decided to name this Kickstart because I thought this is how it, it kicks it off, your online business. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And yeah, I just wanna echo like that, that same advice. It's so important to get that that early feedback and validation because let's say that you you don't do any of that let's say that you just build it you put in all this effort to building this course you put in all this effort to marketing it and let's say like actually it just happens to go great let's say you get customers you get sales but then they go through it there's points that they're confused about and you don't really get any good testimonials or reviews from that and yeah. now where are you at? You're at this situation where to go and do that again, you have to go through that same struggle of, of trying to, to go through things because you now you don't have any social proof or anything to really help you along where instead you could make it so much easier for yourself. Find out what people want. Find out what questions you haven't been answering in what you've created so far. Get testimonials from them and now use that to go and sell it. And the, the whole process is just so much easier. So even even for things that you think you know, that you really believe, like, I know exactly how to do this. It's still so valuable to get that feedback because there will be things that you didn't think of that somebody else is thinking about or somebody else has questions about. And that will really, really be valuable. Like, I've, I've built courses a lot myself 
and I've helped so many people build courses and still we're like, we're working on a new course. First thing we did, like we know how to, to title a result for a course. We always tell everybody you've got to build the course around the result. Yeah. And we came up with a couple quick titles. None of them were actually good. None of them actually followed the, the full rules of what we would do. But then we, we put them in the chat GPT and we asked chat GPT, which one is the best. And then we yeah. asked our audience, do you guys agree with chat GPT? What do you guys think? And we could have improved it much more before even going through that process. But then by going through that process, it was still really important for us because we found out not only what resonated best with our audience, but also why and what they're actually looking for. And mm -hmm. so now we're informed much better of like what we should actually build. So yeah. it makes your life so much easier as a course creator to, to definitely yeah. follow Sigrun's yeah. advice on that. Yeah. So you mentioned before that you really like launches. There's the different ways you can structure an online course business. You can have these launches. You could have like an evergreen course where it's kind of always about available for purchase. Why do you personally prefer the launches? I believe in the community part of everybody doing the same thing at the same time. And uh, I found out not necessarily by accident, but the first online course I created was like a 12 month program and I gave them modules and master classes and hot seat calls and who knows what. And then I was shocked to find out after one and a half years of doing it that my guesstimate is that 15% were actually successful and the rest was just like in the program. And I could have continued. I would have made a lot of money, but uh, I was just frustrated. I was like, what? people join my program. I want to get them results. I want them to be successful. That's when I came up with the kickstart process and I, I run it like a bootcamp. You know, everybody's doing the same thing at the same time. And when they come into the program, first they're just like, oh, what could be your course idea? And you need to create a survey on it. And then I have them commit again. So they basically have to apply, even though they've paid, they apply again, like I am committing to doing this course and da, 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 da. And, uh, and then it's like, have you submitted yet? We have so many submissions, we're missing so many. And we make it almost like an internal thing to motivate the people. The thing is people buy programs and don't do anything with them. And it's a very, like, it's a problem that I wanted to solve. And I knew that 10, 15% was very normal in online business. When people buy programs, about 15% or even less actually finish them. And how do I make people finish is when everybody's doing the same thing at the same time, there is motivation to finish. There are deadlines, like you need to have your course idea by this date because I am going to promote it. But if you don't submit by this date, I will not promote your course. So there is an incentive built in. And we do this like throughout the whole uh, 10 or 12 weeks of the program. And so that every time I think about evergreening this, I'm like, how should I do that? You know, because I see it's not, it's really not about the content. What I'm teaching is not rocket science. And you can even read about it in my book on Amazon or download it for free through your podcast. Uh, but the thing is, people need accountability. They're just not going to do it. And I'm thinking about the 80% in the middle, like 
there's going to be 10% that never do anything. There, there's no way to chase those. We have a 90% completion rate by motivating and following up, even personally. I sometimes joke to people, I'll knock on your door. <laughs> and they're like, really? Will you come to my home? I said, I might. Or I'll send someone that I know that lives in your country. Uh, because I really care about people finishing what they start. And uh, you can't do that with an evergreen program. You just have to leave them be and they'll do it or not do it. And, and that may valid. There are programs which I call more like library courses, you know, like mm. learn everything about creating a sales page. I don't think you should do that with a bootcamp style. Uh, because, you know, maybe you don't need a sales page this week. Maybe you need it in three weeks and then you'll sit down and use the program. But if it's about and, and maybe you don't need everything about it. Maybe you need one specific piece. It's nice to be able to go and find that. Exactly. And these are these are what I call library courses and they they should not be drip fed. They should, you know, what I call all access and you can sell them on Evergreen. But there are programs where you actually want people to do something and get it done. And the only way I see possible to do it for the average student, not for the super ambitious one, uh, they need the accountability, they need follow up motivation. And that's through launches and perfect. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think that besides like the accountability, the engagement and how it helps, it also like you, you kind of alluded to this, but it also helps like you supporting the students. Because if it's an evergreen course and people are just all joining at different spots, different times, it's really hard to get a sense of like, well, where is, this person just emailed me, where are they at right now yeah. in the course? But if it is a launch and it's happening at the same time for everybody, somebody emails you after the first week, you know exactly the content that they've just been through and you can yeah. support them much more easily. Yeah. And I think yeah, also I think that my character better I am, I'm from Iceland originally, and we go and fish when there's fish in the sea. And if there's no fish in the sea, we can relax and do something. So I prefer personally to be very busy for three months of running the program. And then the rest of the year, I'm preparing for the next campaign or selling something that is evergreen. Uh, so it fits my personality much better. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point as well, because I think while there's so many great reasons to have launches as the way that you're promoting the course versus evergreen evergreen can also make sense for some creators because like it may fit your personality better and what you want to deliver and how you want to run your business but yeah. i do think it's it's great that you mentioned this because i've heard a couple creators express to me recently and they say brian like i feel like cohorts are like dead and i didn't have that sense at all so i was kind of shocked to to hear that but i heard it from a couple different people and I do think what they, what the reality of what they actually meant was, is that there was this time period in the last like, couple of years where everybody was saying like, join my cohort. And like, that was a marketing term that yeah. started to become very popular. And I think that kind of fell off now. But the idea of running this launch and, and having a cohort, a group of students go through your program at one time, it's definitely not dead. And it's definitely very, very powerful. Yeah. Yeah, we don't call it a cohort. I think we did it a little bit, but it was like an inward that went out of fashion. Uh, so mm -hmm. yeah, we have to be careful as marketeers. So, you know, anyone who's marketing anything is automatically a marketeer. And there's er 
always something that goes in fashion or out of fashion. I would say if there's one thing I need to do now after 10 years doing this and this particular program I've been selling for five years at least, you, you gotta, uh, because with more competition, you know, pandemic and everything, more people are online. We need to always go back, even someone who's been in business so long as me, we cannot assume that our ideal client is exactly the same one as five years ago. We might need to niche down a little bit more. Uh, so I said for a long time, uh, I help women start and scale from zero to seven figures in online business, something like that. And that's a very broad thing. I didn't mention that actually I do this through online courses and launches. Uh, so that is also something that everybody needs to think about who is in business, even though you're starting out now, niching down, like be really specific on what you're selling. Like, are you selling online courses or memberships or are you helping people sell online courses and membership? Then say that. Are you helping them get to 10K a month through, through premium programs? Then say that. Instead of being very broad, then I say, I help you build your business. Yeah, definitely agree on that. And, and yeah, don't be, don't be worried. Don't think like, oh, I'm going to be too specific that now there's not any, there's no audience left. Chances no. are there's, there's definitely enough audience for you to capture <laughs> even with a niche. Yeah. I did a test the other day. I did a test email that, uh, I asked people to tell me if they liked it. You know, uh, I help people create online courses. No, I help you get to 100K a year with your $500 course. Because I did some, uh, well, I didn't do a proper survey, but I was observing launches around in my community. And I realized that all the price points were around $500. And I'm like, hmm, maybe I should talk about it. So I did a test email. And I think I, I rarely get so many replies as through this test email that actually people say, I like you even more. I, uh, this, this uh, shows me I'm in the right spot because you know, when you talk about cohorts, it's also very in to sell premium programs right now. Everybody mm -hmm. and their dog is selling a premium program and you have to charge 5k or 10k or 20k or 50k. But maybe it's good to actually say more specifically what you do and then people are actually more attracted to it. So it's not that niching actually gets you less clients, it gets you more because people finally know what you stand for. Yeah, yeah, they, they convert so much better because imagine if you arrive at a web page and it, it says it provides some generic business advice, then you're sitting there thinking like, okay, maybe, maybe this can help me, but then you could just as easily just leave that page, go do something else. Whereas if somebody's really targeting like your specific niche of what you want to do and you arrive at that webpage, you're saying like, wow, I, I found the answer. This person yeah. actually does exactly what I'm looking for. And so you have a lot more trust and confidence that you can get what you actually need. Yeah. And I totally understand it's scary. Even I found it scary to send out this test email. I'm like, oh, am I alienating some other people who might be on my email list and they want to sell premium programs and am I not helping them? And and I realized I had to take my own coaching advice that, no, you'll get them also, the people around the edges, but you'll get yeah. more people if you're specific. Yeah, definitely. So I think for many creators, making that first sale 
is a really big step. What advice would you give to somebody who they are just starting out, they haven't gotten their first online course customer yet? And how can they start to, to kind of plan that? What's, what's kind of the best step, I guess? Well, the first step is uh, to do a survey. So uh, be very specific. So let's say you want to create course, I don't know, on dog training. Uh, you could make a post on social media and you could say, I'm looking for, you know, five people who own a dog who want to, you know, get some free coaching. And please, I'll fill out this survey by just give them three days max. And uh, Google Form is great. It's free. I would ask very few questions because otherwise people will not fill it out. Uh, I would always ask them, what's your biggest challenge right now? Uh, what would be your dream solution? Have you tried anything in the past? And can I contact you for further information? Or like, you know, would you, li would you like a free coaching call? Uh, and get people to fill it out. And if you get more than five, great. But it's sometimes better to be specific that you're just looking for five and not trying to get hundred. Uh, and really just five questions. And it doesn't matter what niche you're in. You're always looking for the biggest pain point and you're always looking for what do they want? What is their dream outcome? And if they've tried something and it didn't work out, that's helpful too. Uh, and then you wanna ask if you can add them to your email list because if you get a lot of people filling it out, it would be great if they come onto your email list. Uh, and that's really the starting point. And how do you analyze the answers? Well, now we have ChatGP, which is fantastic. So if you ask for name and email address, you obviously do not put that into ChatGP, so make sure you exclude that, but you take the rest of the information and you just ask ChatGP what's common among these answers. Like what's the most common challenge that's coming up? I used to do this manually before we had ChatGP. I would just go through a survey and I would color it yellow in my Google Sheets when I saw it's a similar answers. And then it's obvious what is the first course idea. It's the biggest challenge we want to solve. And we want to make sure we're not trying to solve world's hunger. We're trying to solve a relatively simple problem. You know, uh, the simple problem would be something that's doable in four weeks like because you know if i help people scale to seven figures that's a three-year journey so uh we want to drill yeah, it down more, more like concrete you can get them from point a to point b yeah because the first step is the proof that you can help them when you get that done you can prove that you can help them with a small problem they will trust you to help you with bigger problems yeah, that sounds good. And you mentioned earlier too about how like the, in the survey and the people who, who fill that out really could be your potential customers. And I would just want to also say to that, that yeah, even if they don't express anything about wanting to, to buy from you, even if they make it sound like they, they don't intend on purchasing anything from you, yeah. the people who contact you are so much more likely to be the people who become your customers. And so like in my business, anytime somebody reaches out to us, like if they reached out to us and they're talking with us, we make a note that we're going to follow up with that person yeah. because they, they are a really high chance of that person becoming a potential customer. And so also after you get those surveys, then whenever you go to the next step, like don't, don't forget about those people. Like they, they are your prime candidates for becoming customers of your course. Yeah, they are what we call hot leads. And uh, now also we can use social media a lot more. So uh, getting them to message you 
uh, is a great way to have a conversation. You know, someone messaging me uh, and I have them often message me a code word and I said, oh, tell me about your business. Tell me about, so you can figure out if you can help them or not just through a DM, which is often easier than emails because people are more likely to answer you, respond quickly. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, okay, I've got one more question and that is that in the kind of online course landscape, you've been doing this for a while. Is there anything you see like specifically that you've noticed that has changed over the years as far as like promoting things and like what works, what doesn't, like what's, what's maybe working better now or, or differently now than it did a few years ago? I think uh, when you are promoting a course, you need, first of all, much longer time. You know, I used to be able to go into launches and I was like, ah, I'll do some webinar in two weeks. Uh, now we're talking more about a six week promotion uh, where I'm running ads for six weeks. Uh, there's no way around not running ads. I think that's challenging for beginners in the beginning to just invest upfront and then see return much later. But the reach is down compared to a few years ago. People are also, the show up rates have drastically gone down. So if you do any type of a live webinar, one thing is for instance, not to offer replay to force people to show up or have a giveaway like a workbook or whatever, like a show up bonus. Yeah, because you know, and even just to get people to sign up for any type of a marketing campaign, you have to uh, tell them the benefit because people are somehow more pressed for time. There's more competition. There's more things we can sign up for or show up for. Yep. So yeah, it used to be the, the webinar was like this novel thing, like, wow, this person is going to train people online live. Well, and now it's like, well, well everybody's doing that. Yeah. So you have to have something that's going to help you stand out and, and get people to pay yeah. attention to you. Yeah, we have a, my, my biggest marketing campaign is around Christmas and it was enough for me uh, to say, sign up for 12 days of masterclasses. You'll learn everything about online business button. That was it. Then I added the list of masterclasses I would cover, but the page was still very minimal. And we're going into a, you know, another campaign and I've told my team, we need to tell people why they should sign up. What's the outcome? Uh, and why should they spend time on 12 masterclasses? Like you really have to put a more effort into the outcome. It's, it's always been important when you sell something that's paid, but now it's super important when you have something for free. Why should someone invest this time? You have to almost think of this as a mini sales page because you are asking them to take time out of the day to come to your free event and you cannot take that lightly. You have to take that very seriously and talk to them as if they were buying something from you. So that is a big change. Plus, if you do something as crazy as I do, the 12 days of masterclasses, you have to give people options to maybe only attend two and still get a lot of value or have summaries or, you know, like prices for showing up. Like there's a, you have to add more things into it. Now this might sound a bit scary to people who have never launched. So I don't want to come off as like, oh, this is going to be, I would just say it's more time generally. Give yourself more time. I think that's probably the biggest mistake I see is that people start to promote too late, whatever they are promoting. Uh, and if you, if you're an absolute beginner, 
I highly recommend doing a three-day workshop over a webinar and over anything longer. I do very long launches, but I've been doing it for 10 years, so uh, I, that's, that's just my style. But uh, three-day workshops, the benefit over a webinar is that you give people true value. I love workshops rather than sales webinars. You give them value and they do it on the call with you. They, they get assignment and they do it together with you. And then they can think about it, they sleep on it, they come back, they have some insights, uh, and then you can continue and do some more assignments. And then on the third day, you make an offer. And it doesn't feel like you have to get it all done in a 60-minute webinar and you're like, oh, I have to teach them something, they have to know who I am, and now I have to sell to them. It's very stressful for someone who's not done a webinar before. And that's why I highly recommend three-day workshops. Yeah, yeah, I think that's great advice as well. And I, I would agree with the, the point of people kind of not promoting or, or not making their launch maybe long enough where somebody, I constantly see the mistake of somebody saying like, okay, well, I launched it. And it's like, hey, everybody, it launched. Hey, everybody, it's going to be over soon. And like, that's all they say. Yeah. But you have to tell people beforehand, like something's going to happen and you, you lead up to the whole thing and then and keep telling them. They don't just say like it launched. Remind them, hey, it launched yesterday. It launched, and remind them, hey, it's gonna close soon. Hey, this is your last chance. Yeah. And all all of those other emails around that are going to be often, especially the last ones, are going to be the ones that get you more sales, not that first one, just to say, hey, it's here. And so, yeah, don't don't worry about bothering your audience with that too, because like they signed up because they they want to hear from you. They don't want to miss this thing, and so you want to help to get them engaged. In the best launch, so, obviously, you've actually sold before you make the offer. That's the best mm. launches. Like, they've already like, oh, I like this person. I've gotten some breakthroughs and insights for free. Uh, and that's what you want to get to. And that's why you need to give yourself yeah. time with your audience. Yeah, and I'm sure most creators like you've probably gone through that experience buying a, a course or something from somebody else where you're you're following their emails, you're following that sequence or something, and you've got your credit card sitting there and you're saying, yeah. when is Sigrun gonna send me that buy button? I'm ready yeah. to click the buy button. And you don't even know what it is yet, you don't even know how much it's gonna cost, but you're, you're ready to purchase because of everything that's led up to it. Yeah, that's what you want. Excellent. All right, so I've got one more thing, and that is I like to have every guest on the show ask a question to the audience. So if you could ask our audience anything, whether it's, something you're curious about, something you want to get everybody thinking about, what would that be? I was thinking of that question that I asked my clients, what would you do with a million dollars? Let's imagine that you actually created an online business, you're selling courses, your business is scalable, you're not selling your time, you're selling value, and uh, you have your first million dollar year. Obviously, you're not going to have a million dollar cash, we have costs and all of that, but okay. Put that aside, but let's say you have actually a million dollars in cash. What would you do with that? How would you spend that money? And I would be very specific. Do not say like 500,000 on a whatever, like I would go and 53,000 and you know, and it really add it up and you're gonna realize that you can do a lot of things. Like let's say you go on a dream holiday with your family. Maybe that only costs 30,000. It's not like it's gonna cost 300,000. So. I would be very specific, do it like a proper budget and then start to feel into uh, how it's going to be when you actually have that money, because that's going to drive you to actually go for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question to, to work on. 
All right. Well, Sigrun, Sigrun, thanks so much for coming on the show. Where else can people find you online? I am to be found everywhere on social media. Sigrun.com is my handle and Sigrun.com is my website. And then I have a gift for your listeners, which is my Kickstart Your Online Business book, which describes my whole process from my signature program. And that's a great place to start to get to know more how to create online courses and scale up. Awesome. And yeah, and I've got that link from you. So we'll put that link, everybody, in the show notes or the description of wherever you are watching or listening to this. All right, Sigrun, thanks so much. Thank you for having me, Brian. I'd like to take a moment to invite you to join our free community of over 5,000 creators at creatorclimb.com. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, check out the Heights Platform YouTube channel every Tuesday at 9 a.m. U.S. Central. To get notified when new episodes release, join our newsletter at thecreatorsadventure.com. Until then, keep learning, and I'll see you in the next episode.